The book of Psalms, chapter 33 and verse 12, then the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 2, verses 9 and 10. Psalms 33 and 12, 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. Psalms 33 and 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his inheritance. First Peter chapter number 2, verse number 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The Old Testament said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The New Testament said that the church is a holy nation. Amen. I want to preach tonight about the blessed nation. Can you help me pray? God, we ask you to have your way. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help there to be a focus in the spirit tonight. Lord, over and above every distraction, over against everything that's planned for later, that God, for these few moments, that we could assimilate our faith together and our attention to see you do a work in this house. I pray, God, more than anything, confirm your word with signs following. Let there be a demonstration of your spirit and power in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated tonight. Today, as you well know, is Independence Day. Just the name Independence Day describes the desire to be free, the desire to not be under the rule of another. Independence is a strong American ideal. Our culture praises people for independent thinking, independent acting. We are encouraged to be independent often to act independent considering our own needs more than the needs of others around us. When steeped in this independent national paradigm, it can be challenging to shift our cultural tendencies. However, you must understand tonight that humanity is actually not independent by design. We are interdependent by design. We have been created to need God and to need each other. Jesus' teachings contradict the world's prevailing assumptions about what people should do. 
Jesus taught that people of the kingdom will go contrary to the way that the world goes because we are alive in Christ, not alive in worldliness. One of the worst things about our modern culture is the tendency to try to rewrite history. Amen. Can we have a little church tonight? Those who seek to be in control of the national dialogue want to remove anything from our past that would conflict with their new ideology. The modern militant, atheistic, agnostic mentality wants to teach our children that our country was not founded on Christian values, but that, my brothers and sisters, could not be further from the truth. America was built on a Christian understanding of God and the Bible. That's right. The framers of America's government patterned after biblical principles. The idea of three branches of government did not come from European governments. It did not come from the Greek philosophies of Plato and Philo and the other philosophers, the framers of our government took the idea of a three-branch system, executive, legislative, and judicial, from the book of Isaiah, when the Bible said that the Lord is our judge, our lawgiver, and our king. He is judicial, legislative, and executive. And then the next phrase is, it is he who will save us. They got the idea for our form of government not from history, but from the Word of God. I'll also tell you that in spite of what many modern thinkers would have you to believe, our founding fathers were not shy or ashamed to talk about God as their basis and foundation. Ben Franklin said, quote, God governs the affairs of man. Samuel Adams said, he who made all men hath made truth necessary to human happiness. And he went on to say, our forefathers opened the Bible to all. On August the 1st of 1776, George Washington said, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Noah Webster said, the duties of men are comprised in the Ten Commandments. Thomas Jefferson said, can the liberties of a nation be thought secure if we have lost the only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of people that liberty is a gift from God? John Hancock said, we recognize no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. Alexander Hamilton said, I have a reliance on the mercy of the Almighty through the, merit, through the merits of Jesus Christ. I look to him for mercy. John Jay said unto him, I render sincere and humble thanks for his merciful and unmerited blessings and especially for our redemption and salvation. Patrick Henry did not only say, give me liberty, or give me death, he also said, quote, it cannot be emphasized too clearly and too often that this nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, 
not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. John Adams said the general principles upon which the fathers achieved independence were the principles of Christianity. James Madison said we have staked the whole future of American civilization to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. And Jedediah Morse said whenever the pillars of Christianity be overthrown, our present Republican form of government and all the blessings which flow from them must fall with them. My brothers and sisters, the people that built America were not government officials. They were Christians who sought to build a nation of worship and freedom to worship. I'll tell you again, like I've said often, if you're not going to worship, you might as well not have freedom to worship. But if you've got freedom to worship, you ought to worship right now. This nation was founded on God and the Bible, on Jesus Christ and the gospel. And if this nation will endure, we've got to get back to God and the Bible and to Jesus Christ. He is the hope of this nation. Can I preach to you just a few more minutes tonight? Amen. I, I, I said I've been announcing for weeks that tonight was going to be a short but powerful service. I'm not too convinced in either one right now, but I'm hopeful. The French philosopher, Alexis de Tocqueville, he visited America uh, over a hundred years ago to uncover the secret of America's greatness. He traveled from town to town, talking with people, asking questions, examining every facet of our society. He returned to France and he wrote this amazing paragraph, quote, I sought for America's greatness. I found it not in her fields and forests. I found it not in her mines and factories. I found it not in her Congress and tribunals. It was only when I entered her churches and heard her pulpits thundering against sin and preaching righteousness that I discovered the secret of America's greatness. America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. My brothers and sisters, we have a task at hand. The task is to promote the one God of the Bible and the scripture. We have not only the freedom to worship, but we have the responsibility to worship. We not only have the freedom to worship, but we have the responsibility to lead others to worship. America is not free. America was bought with a price, and we have a responsibility to do the work of God in this generation. I don't want just America's blessings. I don't want just America's finances. I don't want just America's cities and roads and highways. I want America to be free in Christ. We need a national revival. Blessed is the nation. Psalms 33 and 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord 
and the people to whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. There is a certain happiness that accompanies serving God. According to the Septuagint, Psalms 33 was written by King David. Being the king, he had a Jewish nationalistic mentality. He understood that Israel was a nation chosen by God and his peculiar treasure. This understanding that they had been chosen by God brought joy and happiness to the godly among them. And David said that the nation who made God its Lord was the nation that was blessed. It was a decision on behalf of the nation to decide to let God be their master, their ruler, their Lord. And that choice brought the blessings of God into their lives, into their family, and into their nation. When we think of blessings, we often think of material things. Are you still with me tonight? We think of money and possessions, but the definition of blessing is, has nothing to do with material things. The word blessed in this passage of scripture simply means to be happy. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. The root word for the word blessed means to go or to walk in a straight line, to advance, to make progress, to set things right. The nation who sets things right is the nation who has the happiness of God. I'm telling you that what we need more than anything else is a move of the Holy Ghost to stir America one more time. We need a move of the Spirit. We live in a wicked nation. Amen. Our nation has chosen to turn its collective back on the God of the Bible. We see the anti-Christian agenda being pushed in our government and in our society. You know, you know, and you know the, those that come here often, you know I can go on and on and on about that. Amen, I got a couple of two enthusiastic amens there. You know I could go for an extended amount of time recounting how America has rejected God as her Lord. And by rejecting God, we're rejecting his blessings. But I'll still tell you that this is still a light in a dark world. There's still hope for this nation. And there's still hope for this generation. But if we don't repent, there's dark days ahead for this country and for this world. We need a serious repentance and a sweeping revival. My God, if the last year and a half won't get people to pray, I don't know what else will. If the last year and a half won't get America's attention, I shudder to think what it might take to get attention, but I'll tell you that God is not giving up on this nation and God is not giving up on this world. We have a God that loves people and loves souls and loves families, loves men and women and young people. I wish somebody would say amen at the merciful God who has chosen to bless us. David's writing about the blessed nation was focused on Israel and her standing as a nation, God's chosen nation. But as you advance to the New Testament, the focus of the word nation changes from Israel to the church. In the Old Testament, it was the nation of Israel 
whose God was the Lord. But in the New Testament, the Apostle Peter takes that that application of the nation, but he does not apply it to a social government situation. He doesn't apply it to a geographical location. He does not apply it to a land or a nation or a constitution or a treatise of some sort. What he does is he applies it to a kingdom of people, some from one nation, some from another, some from one walk of life, some from another, but all baptized with the same name, with the same Holy Ghost. Amen. Born again according to the scripture. In this nation, he did not say it was a governmental nation. It was not a physical nation. It was not a socio-political nation. It was a holy nation. What separates the New Testament nation apart is that it is not bound by bloodline. It's not bound by name or language. It's not bound by location or geography. To get in this nation, you don't join it. You don't move there. You don't take a citizenship exam. What you do is you got to be born into this nation. And there's only one way to be born into a holy nation. You've got to repent of your sins, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You are born an American, but you're born again as a holy nation. You may have been born a Mexican or a Puerto Rican or a German or a Russian, but you can be born again as a one God, Jesus name, member of a holy nation. A nation not bound by a man's constitution, but bound by God's constitution. A man, a nation that's not limited by the bondage of this world, but he who the son has set free is free indeed chosen royal holy handpicked unique you are here because God has chosen for you to be here you have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light may I tell you that God was not content for you to be a citizen of the earth. He wants you to be a citizen of heaven. Amen. We are a blessed nation. I'm talking about the church now. We are a blessed nation, a holy nation. I don't want to be like the world. I want to be like God. I don't want to live like the world. I want to live like God says live. I wish somebody would say amen. I want to be in the holy nation. In the book, Living Above the level of mediocrity. The author tells of a house church in the former Soviet Union. In those days, Christians were forced to meet secretly because having church services was illegal. I've been to Russia a few times to preach and to teach, and it was so ingrained in them that if they were going to worship, they had to be quiet or they were going to be arrested. They could be thrown into prison. And so their worship services are extremely quiet. There's nothing like what we're used to because it had been ingrained in them for generations that they needed to be quiet or risk going to prison. And so in those days, Christians were forced to meet secretly because having church services was illegal. They tried to be inconspicuous. They They would try to gather at house churches at 
different times. They wouldn't all show up at the same time. They'd have a handful to, to come at one moment and a handful a few minutes later to not draw attention. And so they came at different times, casually walking into the location until they had all arrived. And then they would close the door and pull the curtains and quietly worship the Lord. One Sunday, while they were quietly in a worship service, two soldiers broke into the house and with guns lined up the Christians against the wall. And one of the soldiers shouted, if you will renounce your faith in Jesus Christ, you can leave now. Two or three quickly stepped out. And then another, and then two more. Again, the soldier spoke this time more forcefully. This is your last chance. Either leave now and renounce your faith in Christ or stay and suffer the consequences. Another one left and then another and another hiding their faces in shame as they walked out of the small congregation. The rest stood their ground, children standing beside their parents trembling. Some of the children crying as their parents stood with tear-stained face, hands in the air, fully expecting to be gunned down by the soldiers. After all who had chosen to flee had left and closed the door, the other soldier looked at the people that stood in the little church house, and they said, keep your hands up, but this time do it in praise to our Lord Jesus Christ, for we too are Christians, and together the soldiers and the faithful worship God that day. Amen. For these two soldiers, these two soldiers explained to the small congregation that sometime earlier they had been sent to another house church to arrest the Christians there. But in the process of trying to arrest the Christians, they had heard the gospel and become born again Christians. The soldiers explained to the congregation why they forced people to leave who had renounced their faith by saying this, and I quote, we have learned that unless people are willing to die for their faith, they cannot be trusted. May I tell you tonight that what we have is not child's play. It's not just a social contract. It's not just a matter of joining an assembly for the sake of having friends or because our family comes. We have been born into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and God is asking for our all in this day. If America's gonna have revival, it's gonna have to be the people that have revival. This nation will never have revival until our churches have revival. And our churches will not have revival unless our people have a revival. So I've come tonight to ask you a very simple question. The question I'd like to ask you tonight I would like for you to think about yourself, and I'd like to ask yourself this, you'd ask yourself this question, am I having a revival? I want you to take your finger and point it at yourself and say, am I having a revival? 
It does us no good to get in the pulpit and rail on a sinful world and a sinful nation and why we ought to have revival and we ought to have a move of the Spirit if we, the church, won't have our own revival and our own move of the Spirit. What right do we have to talk about the drug addict shooting up if you won't worship? What right do we have to talk about politicians if we won't pray and seek God? Come on, poke yourself in the chest. Am I having a revival? My brothers and sisters, you have a personal responsibility to go to another level in your walk with God. Your nation needs you right now. You hear what I said? Your nation needs you right now. In the American Revolution, it was much less than 10% of the population that actually fought for freedom. But because of those few who laid it all on the line, there's a nation that was birthed that extends to this day. My brothers and sisters, uh, I realize there's a whole lot more out there than there are in here. But if one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, I have a personal responsibility to have a revival. America needs you. Do you hear me, men? America needs you men to be worshipers, not to sit back and be deadheads. Not to talk more about hunting than you go to the prayer room. Can I preach to you for a minute? Good. Your nation doesn't need you fishing at the lake as much as it needs you at church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Your nation needs you. This is a call to arms for men that will worship God. Come on, ladies. This nation needs you. This nation needs you to be ladies of holiness and faith and worship. This is a call to this church, and this is a call to God's kingdom. We've got to go to another level, my brothers and sisters. Come on, lift your hands all over this place. I'm calling this church to arms tonight, to spiritual arms. This nation needs you. The enemy wins when good people do nothing. When we sit dead on church pews, the enemy wins. When we're too busy to come to church, the enemy wins. When we don't care enough to pray, the enemy wins. When we only worship to our favorite song, the enemy wins. When we only get with our favorite preacher, the enemy wins. When we put other things above God, when we put our sports above God, the enemy wins. When we put our possessions above God, the enemy wins. When we put our jobs above God, the enemy wins. I'm telling you, it's a call to a Holy Ghost revival in this day. I want to be the kind of nation that God can bless. The most desperate need for the church today is a revival. Dead churches are all over the world. Humanism and secularism hold sway. The Bible is ignored. Homosexuality is regarded as not only acceptable but promoted. Abortion on demand. It got a little quiet. I might have come to the wrong place tonight. The church is no longer respected. Christians appear ineffectual and powerless. Many congregations are formal, worldly, and dead. True conviction of sin is lacking. The first work of the Spirit, according to the Lord, is to reprove the world of his sin, of sin, 
and to bring righteousness. People don't mourn over their sins anymore. The broken in spirit and contrite heart is not alive anymore. But I will tell you that though zeal for worship may be missing in the world, there is a remnant of people who say, God, we're going to be the kind of nation that you can bless. If you can send revival, you can send it through me. If you can stir somebody, you can stir me. Come on, point to yourself and say, I'm going to have a personal revival. I'm going to have a revival. Come on, can you do it right now? I'm not going to put it off on somebody else. I'm not going to expect somebody else to pray my prayers, to worship my worship. I'm not going to expect somebody else to do my job. I'm going to have a revival. My nation is depending on me. We need a revival. Ezra 9 and 8, my last verse. Somebody's alarm went off. That means it's time for me to stop. <laughs> Ezra 9 and 8, and now for a little space, grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape. Can I tell you where we are? Can I tell you where I believe we are in time? I believe we're in a space of grace. God has chosen to give the world a little more time. He's holding at bay the hordes of hell for just a little bit longer. And now for a little space, grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. They were doing so good till they got to that last phrase. And they said, God, give us a little reviving in our bondage. Don't take the bondage away. Just make it a little easier for me to bear. Instead of asking for a lot of reviving and the destruction of bondage, they asked for a little reviving in their bondage. I call on you tonight to say, God, I want more than just a little reviving in my bondage. I want my bondage to be broken. I want my addictions to be gone. I want my lust to be destroyed. I want my sinfulness to be overcome by the Spirit of the Lord. Don't give me just a little reviving in my bondage. Give me a great revival that breaks my bondage and sets me free. Stand with me all over this place tonight. Am I having a personal revival? God, you know, that, that guy over there, boy, he needs revival. He is messed up. Oh, God, you know she needs revival. She gossips all the time. God, you know that one needs revival. They, they, man, they, they got all kinds of problems. I've, I'm hearing all kinds of stuff about them. God, help us to get our eyes off everybody else. 
and become responsible for this one right here. Am I having a revival? Ask yourself the question, am, am, am I having a revival? Why don't you lift your hands all over this place? They're getting ready to sing whatever it is they've got ready. Am I having my own revival tonight? I hope that we'll take a renewed mentality as we leave this place tonight. A responsibility. God, help me, Lord, to have my personal revival. Can you pray it all over this place? All over this house. The altar's open. You're welcome to come. Somebody will pray with you if you want. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, we can baptize you tonight in the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But my friends, we have the responsibility to have a personal revival. God, I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, on behalf of this nation, they need, this nation needs a church. Our neighborhoods need a church, God. Our factories need a church. Our schools need a church. Our families need a church that's full of revival. Our places of work, our places of commerce, our places of government need people that are full of the Holy Ghost. God, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, for the anointing of an intercessor to come on somebody to pray revival, not only into this church, but into our nation. God, I hope we pray more than we complain. I hope we worship God more than we gossip. God, I need a little, I need more than a little revival. I need to be the kind of nation you can bless. Come on, can you help me pray right now? Can you give me just a couple of minutes of good, solid prayer? God, for deliverance. God, set the drug addict free. God, set the alcoholic free. God, heal the broken marriage. God, I pray that you would bring the rebellious teenager to repentance. Oh God, I pray, Lord, that you would stir this nation with the wave of the Holy Ghost. Touch marriages, touch homes, touch families. Touch husbands, touch wives, touch children, touch young people. God, move in our school systems. God, move in our city halls. Move in our factories and stores and homes and neighborhoods and communities. God, we want to be the nation that you can bless. I want to be the kind of man you can bless. I want to have a family you can bless and be a part of a church that you can bless. Lift your hands all over this place and reach out to God, for He is indeed the only answer for what our nation needs. Let's talk to Him. Break through the pride, break through the pride, break through the shame. I've had enough of staying the same. Break through the fear, open the gate. Open the gate. 
be happy to baptize you. On that note, this certifies that Jessica Burnett was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Where's Jessica? And also Jane Iyer was baptized in the name of Jesus. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. 